Heidi Rain again, because I have something else that I believe is super important to share with you today. And I like to come on here when I actually have something to say that I think is going to provide you some tremendous value. You who is dealing with addiction inside of your family dynamic, you who has a heart of gold and wants this madness to stop, is doing everything in your power to fix it, control it, persuade it, negate it, do anything you can to try to make something turn back to some version of normal. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it every single step of the way. It's why I created the Codependency Institute. It's why I show up here on YouTube and on the podcast to be able to help you with tips. And actually, I call it three things now as I've kind of like been helping and helping and helping. It's sanity, strategy, and solace. Those are the three things I want to provide for you. And what I want to share with you today on this episode is an enabling checklist just a very simple bite-sized chunk of information that you're going to be able to digest and marinate and simmer on today and ask yourself, which of these things can I make a t- and check off? What What is a tick, 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 tick? And if you get a lot of checks on the checkbox today, then you know likely what you're trying to do with to help is probably hurting. You know, there is such a fine line between helping and hurting. We never know really. And and a rule of thumb that I like to follow and that we talk about a lot inside of our semi-private coaching groups is number one, I want to help you do what you believe in. All right. At the end of the day, not what you think is going to work or get somebody sober, but really at the bottom of your heart was something that you believe in. And I also want to teach you and equip you with how to if we're going to enable anyway, we're going to enable something because we're enablers, we're fixers, we're helpers, we're heroes. So if you're going to enable anything, how to enable recovery instead of enabling addiction. And that's really what I want to talk to you about is how we're enabling addiction instead of recovery and maybe give you some ideas of how you can turn that around. Now, if at any time, there's the little plug to go deeper with me, all right? If at any time you feel like, you know what? She seems to know what she's talking about. Well, thank you very much. I've dedicated most of my life to codependency and addiction. This is my specialty. This is my life's work. And I've spent several decades mentoring and and mentoring personally under, under the greats, but also mentoring others in the area specific to dealing with addiction in your family dynamic, I've specialized. And as a result of that, I'm able to equip you. And one of the places I love to do that the most is inside of our private containers where we are interacting in a small group. I have several small groups. If you're interested about that, you can go to HeidiRain.com, check out over there and look at where it says semi-private coaching and just submit a request for more information. And you and I will start to chat with each other and see if there's a group that's a small group that's appropriate for you. All right, let's dive in. What are some of these signs? I'm going to riff on them and then I'm going to tell you examples of how I've seen it. The very first sign of checklist on enabling is repeatedly bailing somebody out. This could look so many different ways. Um, I'll just give you some real life examples and then you can see, okay, I I think I've bailed somebody out before. Maybe you already know before I even go into it, how how, uh, you've done that already. But if you're on the fence, was that bailing out? Or was that really helping them? Let's give you some ideas. 
The first thing I want you to know is whenever I was uh, being uh, mentored, I mentored under one of the greats. His name is Dr. Beely, and he was running the Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center where I uh, learned everything I needed to learn for a decade working inside of there, running the family program and the codependency programs and the healthy relationship programs. And when I was mentoring under him, he would say this thing in front of all of the families and I would like the air would be taken out of my lungs because I was like, oh my God, are you really saying that right now? And he would say this, if you're solving a problem for them, you're killing them. And you could just see the eyebrows raise up in the room. Like, what are you talking about? My job as a parent is to solve problems. It's to protect, it's to prevent problems. Not really, you know? And also another thing, if you're a parent uh, and you're not a spouse, I help both. He would say things like, you know, how, how do you parent an addict? You know, we would get into discussions like that and, and you don't, you know, you're not parenting an addict. And in fact, how do you parent a 42 year old? How do you parent an 18 year old? How do you parent a 20 year old? So these are some of the things, the discussions that we get into inside of our groups. I will tell you that things like, you know, somebody's supposed to be in recovery, just one example, and they're uh, supposed to be working and taking care of themselves and they're out of treatment and they're on their way into getting better and they call you and they're like, oh my God, you know, my rent is due. I didn't, I, I haven't been paying any rent and I'm going to get kicked out of here. If I don't pay the rent, you need to send the rent. You need to pay the rent. And you're immediately as a parent going, oh, well, they're probably working their butt off. They're in recovery. I'm not quite sure if they're sober or not. I definitely don't want them to get kicked out of their house because if they get kicked out, God knows what. So we start to think, we, we play we play chess. We're like five steps ahead. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Instead of just realizing common sense wise, if somebody was working recovery, one of the pillars of that process is responsibility. It's being able to bail their own ass out of a situation. It's knowing how to take personal responsibility and be responsible for our own lives. So in a situation like that, sending the rent is not a useful thing. That's enabling addiction and not enabling recovery. Enabling recovery would be emotional support. Hey, I don't want to, you know, I have a rule that I don't send money unless it's directly to a treatment center. So you know, I don't send any money. So tell me, uh, how are you going to handle that? Wow. That sounds really intense. Uh, how can I emotionally support you here? You know, um, we move out of that when the phone rings and they're in crisis mode and they want to get bailed out of a situation, we immediately think, oh my God, if I don't do this, then uh, bad things are going to happen. Well, bad things are going to happen if you do do it. All right. Another thing that we do is I've, I've had parents bail out people from getting DUIs and the consequences of that. And oh my God, it can't be in the papers. What are the neighbors going to say? And again, we want to prevent these bad things from happening. So we bail them out of the consequences. And that's just not a helpful thing. The only way for somebody to really experience the impact of their behavior is to experience the impact of their behavior, not do the behavior, do the behavior, do the behavior and experience no impact. One of the biggest things I do in addiction education with addicts and alcoholics when I speak at treatment centers or I go speaking events is to help them understand the impact they're having on other human beings because they're blind to that. All right. It's uh, addiction is a very self of self-obsessed thing. So you don't have to bail them out. You don't have to get sucked in. If you're a wife or a husband and they're sick in the morning and you're calling into work and you're like, Oh my gosh, well, they overslept and you're bailing them out. 
your pit, you know? And so here's, here's a fine line with bailing somebody out. One of my students inside our semi-private coaching said, well, I pick them up. Is that bailing them out? You know, if they're drunk and it's the middle of the night and I get the call at like two in the morning, I drive to the bar and I pick them up and I don't let them drive. And here's where the first part of what I said to you is so important. When I said, I want to teach you to do what you believe in, not what you think is going to keep somebody sober. So somebody's drunk at the bar and you're thinking, I'm going to teach them a lesson by not picking them up. All right. Is not a lesson that you want to teach because they're not going to get it anyway. But if you believe in people not driving drunk, you believe in people being safe, then I, I don't think that that's a situation where you have to beat yourself up because you picked them up that you did what you believed in. There's many times I've taken keys out of my dad's hand and hit them, you know, because I was doing what I believed in, not because I wanted to experience the consequence of this behavior so much. Now, when somebody's, the rent is due, it's important that they experience, even if they're going to go homeless to another place or have to go to a temporary thing, because they need to understand that the responsibility of paying your rent isn't like a one-time situation thing. This is something that we're going to have to do every single month. This is a behavior we're going to have to learn. And so if you're going to foster responsibility in somebody, the only way to foster responsibility is to give responsibility. It's not to take it from them. So I think that's enough on that top, that point, man, that was a lot. Okay. We might have to make this like a couple parter. If I do, maybe this will just be part one. I don't know. Um, I'll just do a couple of these. I'll do, I'll do enabling checklist part one, part two, and part three. So let's just do a couple more. One of the ways that we enable, and we might think that it's not because we're not like, you know, doing the obvious thing, which is bailing them out, giving them money, you know, whatever is ignoring the problem. This is actually some of the advice that people get whenever they go to different groups and, and get different advice. Like, well, just stay in your lane, just detach, just ignore the problem and don't get sucked in. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's definitely not how I roll. I understand the value in not getting sucked into people's behavior, but I'm going to tell you this right now. If your behavior is impacting me or my children or child or my household, there is no way in hell that I'm going to ignore that behavior. Okay. Meaning dad's drunk. He's falling down. He's peeing in his own pants. I don't know how bad it gets over there. I know what I've seen in my time, but all these things are going down and happening. And I'm just going to ignore that it's happening and, pre and pretend like nothing's going on. No, absolutely not. I'm going to make sure I know, wow, this is unsafe. You're being unsafe. You're not okay right now. Uh, make sure that I'm going to call it out and do what I need to do to make sure not to fix it, not to scold, not to condemn, not to make somebody feel like a jerk, not to hurt them, not to get, get at them or make them see what they're doing. Because let's be real, when somebody's falling down and peeing in their own pants, do you think that you have access to the part of their brain that's making logical choices? Honey, I'm going to tell you right now, nobody's home. All right. I say that a lot, you know, nobody's home. So we're not trying to teach lesson, lessons to anybody while they're under the influence. Okay. So that's another way we enable is by lecturing and trying to sit down and talk sense into and doing all those things versus just do what we need to do to take care of ourselves. But when we ignore it, we pretend like nothing's happening. And especially if you have kids around that scenario, man, they know damn well what's going on. You're like, oh, I don't know. I, I had one time, I mean, I say this, you might've heard me say this before, but 
my dad could be like falling down, totally drunk, you know, breaking ribs, okay, on more than one occasion, falling down a flight of steps and breaking ribs, getting bloody, face planting into the concrete. And I, a family member would look at him, okay, and I, and I love her. So I, I, you know, it just is what it is. My stepmom would look at it and be like, are you okay, honey? Are you okay? Did you, did you fall down? Were the, were the steps wet? You know, I said, did you eat today? Did you take your blood pressure medicine? You know, and like, I'm knowing he's inebriated beyond all doubts, but there's something that happens when you're a spouse or you're in love with somebody and love is freaking blind. And you have the best intentions when you're ignoring this behavior because A, you don't want it to be true. You want it to be something else. But most of the time, let's be real, you're ignoring this behavior because you don't want to create another problem. You're like, let me just ignore it because they'll go to bed and go pass out. Let me just ignore it because if I start with them and point this out, I'm going to create a worse problem for myself and it's going to be bad and they're going to... I'm not asking you to put yourself in a dangerous situation. Let me be very clear. I'm not telling you to not to ignore it and and confront it right there. Again, we're not talking sense into a inebriated human being. You can only talk sense into sober, okay? When they're sober, you can't talk the sense in pre-sober. So what I'm asking you to do though is to not is to make a statement about what's going on. Somebody's drunk, they've fallen down and they're agitating you, you have a safe place to go in your house. You have a place where you can go in the guest bedroom or somewhere else, or you take the child out of the house or whatever you're needing to do to be able to keep everybody copacetic, but not ignoring it, pretending like it's not going to happen. And shh, don't talk to daddy because maybe he'll just go away. You know, uh, we can't ignore the problem. I did a whole nother video on that about the impact of how to talk to kids about an addicted parent. So if you've been in that thing where you've been ignoring the issue of what's going on, can I encourage you to just go watch that video? I'm going to guess of where I'm talking about this and try to put it in. I'm so bad at that, but I'm going to try to link the video. If you're watching YouTube, if you're in the podcast, it's it's another episode before this, check it out. Um, so those two things already, just in that enabling, just in that enabling checklist, I actually said repeating, repeatedly bailing them out and avoiding problems, keeping the peace or ignoring, ignoring the problems, trying to keep the peace. I've only said two things. And I gave you multiple examples of the ways that this could show up. What I'm wondering now is, oh, are you identifying? Are you seeing in yourself how just these two things? Now, you can course correct. That's the great news is that none of this behavior is malicious. None of this is an intent to enable addiction or hurt somebody. All of this is in an attempt to make it go away and make it stop. Everything you've been doing up until this point is because you have known or thought or believed that that is the best thing to do for you and for your family. But so many of the ways that we're handling this and going about this is exacerbating the problem, contributing to the problem, and actually hurting the entire family. Unfortunately, we just want the addict or alcoholic to get help. We're like, you know what? If they just get their shit together, my life will change and everything else will be better. But here's what I want you to know, okay? You need to get better whether they get better or not. You are impacted by this. 
And while you're scrambling and hustling, trying to fix or solve the problem, you might as well get information that's useful. Even though I tell you, you don't have any control. Okay. That's a misunderstanding in a way. Like you can't, you didn't cause it, can't cure it, can't control it. Okay. The three C's and we go to Al-Anon and we learn all these things. But do you know that you actually do have massive influence when it comes to somebody's addiction? How do I know that? In the decade that I've been helping people, I've seen multiple lives saved. Many people go into treatment that their loved ones were like, they'll never go. They'll never stay sober. But because they know exactly what to do and exactly how to help and exactly what enabling recovery looks like, they course correct. And it's a skirt. They go from enabling addiction to enabling recovery and the whole fit. Now, I'm not telling you that happens every single time. There's many times that we do the best we can and somebody's we get on another train to success instead of the, the trauma train, all right, dysfunction junction. We That's our stop when we get off. And some people keep wanting to ride that train. But what happens is when you get better, whether they get better or not, by knowing what to do, equipping yourself with the strategies and the sanity, the, your whole family gets better. So I want to encourage you again, just, I can't say it enough, go over to HeidiRain.com and check out the different uh, semi-private small groups that we have to be, that are that are coaching groups to be able to give you this information. So another thing is um, trying to fix it for them. You know, this is a, a common sense one. You know, when you, if you know me, if you've been around for a while, you know, I talk about the fixer and the victim a lot, these two pa personality patterns that hook up. And I created a test, actually, you can take it over at HeidiRain.com. That's the attachment personality pattern test, which shows the dynamic that you might be in inside of this addicted relationship, what role you're playing. And that's very useful to start to see your pattern so that you can break free. But fixing is a pattern that we enact Oh my gosh, that's the whole point, right? We we research the places, we lecture, we sit down, we talk to, we drive to the meetings, you know, we do all these things. And what you learn when we start working together is what you don't have control over and how you can switch into being an influence in someone's life instead. And how you can hold a standard for your life instead and and raise your standards while managing your expectations your expectations for another human being. Excuse me, let me take a drink of coffee. So I think that's a mouthful for today. Okay, I think we covered three things. Uh, part one, we'll do it part two. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about enabling. And why don't you ask your questions? Why don't you comment below or send me a message over at HeidiRain.com and let me know what uh, your questions might be about enabling and how you see this, but hopefully this has been helpful today. I'm, you know, I'm going to trust that it is. I, I, it's, I'm committed to making more content like this for you. That's easily digestible. Here's what I found out about myself even recently that has become abundantly clear to me. My mind is a mile a minute. It has a lot of information in it, a storehouse about addiction and codependency and patterns. And because I get so excited about this, I've dedicated my whole entire life to studying it and to working in this field and to breaking free people, thousands of people. So sometimes I give information and it is so much freaking information. It can be a little bit overwhelming. I want to beep, beep, back up the bus and I want to slow down and give you little bite-sized things that you can chew on it for a while and you can meditate on it. And in our group coaching, this is the place where I usually do this with 
this back and forth conversation where we can learn something and back up and have a question about it and implement it. And what does this look like in real life? And a raise of a hand, can you tell me what to do in this scenario for me? And how would I apply this? And what do you think about this with my wife? Or how should I deal with this with my child? And and we just take it step by step. So I really want to encourage you to get involved that way if you feel called to do that, if you feel like the next step is right for you. And if not, you can really count on me to be here for you on this platform. I'm committed to this work. I'm committed to our, our our journey together, whether you come personally inside and invest or not. I'm gonna be here either way because my life's purpose and mission is to make a difference in this one area. It's to break generational trauma. It's to give children of the next generation a childhood they don't need to heal from. It is to correct relational trauma and heal from that and, and restore our families and restore um, your belief in love and relationship and help you have that healthy happy relationships that you deserve because, you know, we can have everything else, right? We can have stuff and money and all the things, but, and that sure does make life easier. I've been both. I've been poor as hell and I've had an abundance and overflow and it, abundance and overflow makes it easier. But I can tell you one thing, if you're struggling in a relationship that is causing you anxiety, confusion, resentment, or pain and overwhelm, it, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff matters. And so when we get our relationships right, and, and we can be in a healthy way in those relationships. Everything else flows out from that place and you can handle anything. You can handle poverty, poverty or, or prosperity. When your relationships are right, you can get through anything, right? So I wanna help you do that. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. I'll see you in the next uh, episode. And until then, if you wanna be closer and if you wanna deepen our relationship, come over to HeidiRain.com and let's see how we can get to know each other better. See you soon. Okay. Bye.